the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Thursday, January 12th, 2023. We'll get to DocuGate in a moment. We'll also have a guest on that. First, if I may try and put a couple seemingly disparate stories together, the durables, as I like to call them. The DocuGate thing is not a durable. This is a durable. Zokar Tsarnaev's attorney is trying to toss his conviction in appeals court in Massachusetts today. If that name is unfamiliar, Tsarnaev was one of the brothers who led a jihadist attack against the Boston Marathon runners almost exactly a decade ago. Three dead, nearly 300 injured. You may recall the Rolling Stone magazine did a fancy cover of Zokar Tsarnaev titled Jahar's World. That was his nickname, don't you know? The picture was the most glamorous picture of the terrorist anyone ever printed. Terrorist chic, you may have wanted to call it. The glamour continued in the subtitle of the article, quote, He was a charming kid with a bright future, but no one saw the pain he was hiding or the monster he would become, close quote. Charming, kid, bright, pain. A nice salute to the grievance culture, I suppose. But the article is actually in the Rolling Stone not without merit. It quotes one of his teachers at a very Tony secondary school in the Boston area that is priceless and may be the epitaph of our age if we are not careful. The teacher says of adolescents like Tsarnaev, quote, the problem with this demographic is that they do not know the basic narratives of their histories or really any narratives. They're blazed on pot and searching the Internet for any factoids that they believe fit their highly dehistoricized and decontextualized ideologies. And the adult world totally misunderstands them and dismisses them and does so at our collective peril, close quote. It's a skilled teacher with the English language. He uses the word factoid. It's a great word. You know, one of my pet peeves is the misuse of the word factoid. It does not actually mean a small fact. It means a fake fact or a non-fact or a myth. Anyway, this is the epitaph of our age if we are not careful, but it is also the fuel of so many conspiracy theories and theorists that have moved too comfortably into the mainstream and in part with the government's secrecy censorship edifice, in part with the government's help. Anyway, as you know, I love C.S. Lewis's quote that the chief problem with miseducating our youth is it becomes so much the easier to propagandize them as adults. And so we are here in a world of far too much propaganda because, again, the most important statistic I want everyone to know is that according to our nation's report card, the NAEP, 50 percent of high school seniors graduate school in this country with an F in American history. As I say, as much as we talk about illegal aliens, as we should, we are making aliens of our own children 
and citizens and sending them into a country they know nothing about, just as they are reaching the age of majority, the age to vote, to go to college, to get their first substantial job, the age to even possibly join the military, if that's still an honored thing to do. Hold that as the news comes to us today, courtesy of Steve Hayward, that we lost a giant in the teaching of American history today. Paul Johnson passed away. Yet one more man from across the pond who perhaps understood us better than we understand or could understand ourselves, like the Marquis de Lafayette or Alexis de Tocqueville or John Stuart Mill or G.K. Chesterton, all who did and wrote beautifully for and about America coming here from abroad. Paul Johnson, Englishman that he was, is in that league. And today he passes into the very history he used to teach and write about. Hayward gives us this gem of his from his book, Modern Times, writing about the mid-1980s in the age of Reagan and Thatcher and John Paul II. Quote, what was not clear was whether the fall from grace of the state would likewise discredit its agents, the activist politicians, whose phenomenal rise in numbers and authority was the most important human development of modern times. As we have noted, by the turn of the century, politics was replacing religion as the chief form of zealotry. To the archetypes of the new class, such as Lenin, Hitler, and Mao Zedong, politics, by which they meant the engineering of society for lofty purposes, was the one legitimate form of moral activity, the only sure means of improving humanity. This view, which would have struck an earlier age as fantastic, becomes to some extent the orthodoxy everywhere, diluted in the West, in virulent form behind the Iron Curtain and in the Third World. At the democratic end of the spectrum, the political zealot offered new deals, great societies, and welfare states. At the totalitarian end, cultural revolutions. Always and everywhere, they were called plans. Plans. They marched across the decades in the hemispheres, Montbancs, charismatics, exaltes, that's a great word, gold French word, exaltes, secular saints, mass murders, united by their belief that politics was the cure for all human ill. By the 1980s, the new ruling class was still, by and large, in charge, but no longer so confident, close quote. Well, look at the slippage. The late 1980s are 30 years ago, a generation by any standard definition, and as one we just quoted oft put and was oft ignored, freedom is fragile and only one generation ever away from extinction. You know, it strikes me the 1980s are seen by historians and educates as the greed decade, the decade of greed. I don't know. When you think of all the efforts at liberating people from communist tyranny in that decade— people in other countries, from Latin America to Africa, from Afghanistan to Europe. It's hard to call Americans as in the grip of greed. We're in the grip of liberation and freedom. But I think the problem is really the 1970s, what Tom Wolfe called the me decade, and what Professor Christopher Lash identified as the culture of narcissism. More of a 70s thing than an 80s thing, Lash's book of the same name, The Culture of Narcissism, was published as it was in 1979. 
I was rereading it recently and was struck by this paragraph of his, quote, Far from regarding the past as a useless encumbrance, I see the past as a political and psychological treasury from which we draw the reserves that we need to cope with the future. Are cultures indifference to the past, which easily shades over into active hostility and rejection, furnishes the most telling proof of that culture's bankruptcy? The prevailing attitude, so cheerful and forward-looking on the surface, derives from a narcissistic impoverishment of the psyche and also from an inability to ground our needs in the experience of satisfaction and contentment. Instead of drawing on our own experience, we allow experts to define our needs for us and then wonder why those needs never seem satisfied. As people become apt pupils in learning how to need, Ivan Illich writes, the ability to shape The ability to shape wants from experience satisfaction becomes a rare competence of the very rich or the seriously undersupplied. For all these reasons, the devaluation of the past has become one of the most important symptoms of the cultural crisis to which this book addresses itself, often drawing on historical experience to explain what is wrong with our present arrangements. A denial of the past, superficially progressive and optimistic, proves on closer analysis to embody the despair of a society that cannot face the future, close quote. And this, it seems to me, with C.S. Lewis's warning, as much as with Reagan's, is how you get, as Paul Johnson put it, Montbancs and charismatics and exaltés and secular saints and yes, 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 mass murderers, like Jokar, not Jahar, Jokar, Tsarnaev. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960, We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. 30 years, I think, 30 years, maybe a little longer, 31, 32 years since that song. Uh, 92, 92, 2012. Yeah, almost 30 years since that song debuted. Uh, anyway, let's talk a little bit about DocuGate, shall we? Um, they're going to talk about two locations now that documents have been found in. We discussed this yesterday. It's actually three. It's Joe Biden's Penn University of Pennsylvania office, the quote-unquote think tank, the first thing we learned about. Then we learned there was another set of documents that were found yesterday, which is what we were talking about. We didn't know where. Now we do in his garage. And then also adjacent to the garage, a third location in his house. I'm not going to play the audio of him with the um, back and forth with Peter Ducey that it was in his locked garage, locked because he keeps his Corvette there. I will point out that no one's ever heard of a locked garage getting broken into, have they? Sounds really secure, doesn't it? I'm going to guarantee you right now, anyone's locked car garage, anyone's locked car garage is far less secure than the inner sanctums of Mar-a-Lago. I'm just going to guarantee you that right now. You can take my word for it, which was guarded by Secret Service nonetheless. 
So there's now three. So all the speculation now that a special uh, prosecutor has been appointed by Merrick Garland to investigate the uh, documents of Joe Biden's as they are investigating the documents and the issue with Donald Trump. A couple things um, worth mentioning. I, I, I don't think any of this is that big a deal. It's a big deal because they did it to Donald Trump and made a big deal of it. They shouldn't have. Presidents take papers with them all the time. Vice presidents less so. But that Joe Biden did it after condemning it and that the left condemned Donald Trump so heavily. And now they find that it's on their guy. Now it's a story and it should be. That's why it should be a story. The hypocrisy, the double standard and the elevation of something de minimis into something de maximus. That's why it should be a story. Now, I have heard speculation, as many of you have, that um, the reason the media is going after Joe Biden is because they're turning on him, and that's because they want him weakened going into 2024 so that he doesn't run for office in 2024. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I like what listener Charles wrote me. Where was all that 47 years of experience that Joe Biden had in Washington, D.C.? Experience that would make him know better, allow him to not make the mistakes he claimed Donald Trump made that were irresponsible in his words. How could he let that happen? And Joe, I wouldn't be bringing up that Corvette reference too often. I doubt if it's electric and you might get AOC upset with that one. And just what the heck is the Biden pen think tank? I always wonder what think tanks think about. Sounds like it's just the Clinton Foundation for dummies. It would be amusing watching the support of media come up with the same excuses they ridiculed Trump over. The latest story is dripping with irony, and it makes the hypocrisy of the border look like child's play. The document bundles in the border. What else could possibly go wrong? And why is Pete Buttigieg calling the geek squad? Um, by the way, I... Um, I was watching the press conference with Karen Jean-Pierre today, and it's true. The media is all over her and them. They don't like being lied to, and they felt they were lied to with Joe Biden's first statement because they had the second documents and they weren't talking about them. They had the second and third round of documents and they weren't talking about them. They were acting on Monday, and they, the White House, Joe Biden, in his statement from Mexico, was acting as if that was all there was when they knew there was more. And by the way, all of these things were found last year, November and December. Document tranche one was November before the election, a week before the election. Document tranches two and three were a month later in December. Meanwhile, Karin Jean-Pierre is using, overusing the word transparency, transparency, transparency. If you did a word cloud of a press conference today, that's all you'd hear is the word transparency. This is particularly juicy. I would like to play it. It's Ed Henry of CNN. I don't know if this is the new CNN or the new Ed Henry or if it's just a day off, but it was different. First set of documents were found in November at the Penn Biden Center here in Washington. Why did it take until yesterday, until this morning apparently, for whoever it was to inform Robert Lausch that that final document was found? Was that because there were press reports earlier this week? Again, and the hope was that nobody would find out? Again, or was it because... There is a process, an ongoing process that is occurring. We did this by the book. 
And what I mean by that is the moment that the lawyers discovered that the papers were there or the documents were there, they reached out to the archives, they reached out to the Department of Justice, and they immediately, rightfully so, reached out to them uh, to let them know what, what they had discovered. And that is the process. Uh, that is what we, that, that is what his lawyers did. Uh, and uh, again, it's an ongoing process. As you stated in your question, I am limited in what I can say. It is now in the hands of the Department of Justice. Uh, they are reviewing this, as you know. The special counsel was announced by the attorney general. And so I will uh, leave it there. What was the president? He goes on and on and on. They were not taking it. They were not satisfied. Ed Henry um, went on with her for about two more minutes on this. And she had um, nothing to say except this is the process and this is the transparency that um, that we have guaranteed to the American people. It was followed up by a question from CBS. When you say transparency, transparency with the Justice Department, transparency with the National Archives, transparency with the media, or transparency with the American public? And she had no answer for that. Um, you know, I, I don't know, again, how many days this story will go, but neither do we know if there were only three tranches. There might be a fourth. There might be a fifth. CNN did look awfully silly now in retrospect, didn't it, when it put out Monday that graphic showing the limiting distinctions between the Biden documents and the Trump documents uh, by matter of volume. David Harsani has been on the beat on this. He's written several pieces for The Federalist on it, and he's going to join us in the next hour to talk about it. He's probably the journalist now who owns this story. You know, it's funny. Sometimes a journalist kind of owns a story. Molly Hemingway kind of owned uh, the, 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 the election fraud story, and you can think of others who do that. I'm wondering if Harsani might be the one to own this story. Anyway, I've got a few calls on hold. There's room for more. We'll get to them when we come back on the other side of this break. Room for more, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I was thinking over the break, we should get, you know, this this scandal shouldn't escape the gate suffix that uh, has attached to every scandal since Watergate. Uh, <laughs> Docugate maybe is the – Corvagate, Corvettegate, Corvagate, Corvagate. It almost sounds – I don't know. What is Corv – it sounds like a toothpaste or maybe a retirement home. Corvagate. You live in the Coconut Grove? No, we got a condo in Corvagate. Corvarado. Do you guys know what a Corvarado is? A Corvarado, I think there were only like 30 of them made or something. Heck of an interesting looking vehicle. It's a uh, Corv... It's an... Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a Corvette on an Eldorado Cadillac body. And uh, if any of you saw Live and Let Die, the James Bond, the Roger Moore James Bond movie that takes place in New Orleans, uh, one of the um, one of the henchmen, one of the... Uh, one of the evil uh, actors, characters, drives a Corverado. I think it's a Corvette on an Eldorado body. It might be an Eldorado on a Corvette body. I don't think that's it, though. I think it's a Corvette on an Eldorado body. I think it's a, yeah, the Cadillac on top of the Corvette doesn't work as much as the other way around. Anyway, all right, so Corvigate. That's what we've got here. Corvigate. For shiny teeth and clean gums, try Corvigate. Mike is in Maricopa. Hello, Mike. Yes, Seth. Good afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I'm in that kind of a mood today. I'm sorry. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Very good. 
real quick here. Okay, obviously, uh, you know, to me, sometimes we're this gate stuff is getting kind of old you know we i know i i, I yeah that gate. too is true that also is true but i don't want biden got, to be the first one to escape it yeah maybe, yeah something something so we'll think about that <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll think on it, it. we have but time anyways, we have time <laughs> we have. yes yeah well so obviously everybody's comparing and contrasting what's going on yeah. with president trump and right. more lago I noticed the one thing that's escaped a lot of the conversation is Hillary Clinton and 30,000. No emails. kidding. Yeah. Why is that not thrown into this mix? You're right. Yeah. That's correct. Well, you know, the thing they, is they raised Sandy story, Berger, but they alighted right over the Hillary Clinton thing. Yeah. Y- yep. So anyway, here's um, th- when the, when this story started breaking this morning, uh, this song popped into my mind, uh, Frank Zappa. Yeah. And it was called Down in Joe's Garage. Oh, yeah. That was his big. Yes, that's right. Well, that might have been yeah. his biggest or was that was the name of an album, too. wasn't it? Yeah, it was kind of a concept that they'd started off in a, in the garage playing garage music and then they made it big and then they evolved back yeah. to playing yeah. in their garage. But, yeah, that down in Joe's garage, yeah. we didn't have no dope or right. LSD. That's right. Yeah. But I, I know. Did you know Frank Zappa had, hated drugs? By the way, that was not uh, that was not sarcastic. Those lyrics. He hated, 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 right. hated, hated drugs. Never used them. Yep. So anyway, I just thinking here. Uh, let's see what all these stories that has been bumped. Uh, we had President Biden went to El Paso. Right. That Nothing for about thirty seconds. If that. We had the, the this big to do about the House Speaker election that Nothing. lasted for about two days. Yep. We had the FTX and the money possibly yep. going to elections. No. Yep. Uh, we had all these Twitter dumps on all these different categories. Yep. Nowhere to be found. Nothing. I know nothing. Yeah. And so yeah. The, the questions, there's a lot of people asking questions about this and that. Uh, I've never been in a skiff, but as I understand, you have to sign in and sign out when you leave. Probably. And usually you don't take stuff with you. Right. But if you do, let's ask the question of who signed those documents out? Why yeah. isn't that question? And then the next question is of who sent somebody so if pre- or vice president biden didn't go there who did he send did he send an aide to go yeah. retrieve me such and such a document yeah. there is this thing it's called the chain of custody that's right and then when we find out who signed in and who signed the documents out we need to ask them who did you give them to that's right there, there's just and the only one who has plenary authority to maintain and hold and walk around and do anything with them actually is the president of the United States, which was Donald Trump with his, but uh, not Vice President Joe Biden with his. Think <laughs> down about in that. Joe's garage. Yeah, down in <laughs> Joe's garage. All right, I like it. Zappa, all of it. Oh, man. Okay, good stuff, there we Mike. Go. Yeah. Good Great work, buddy. Nice. Camarillo Brio. Later. <laughs> Later. All right, we got a bunch of other calls. We'll get to you, I promise. We just got to pay the bills, and we'll do that right now. If you are concerned with stock market volatility, why refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market. You can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. And there's no loss of principal if you need your money back at any 
time. This is a secure collateralized portfolio that Y-Refi is offering, and they are a due diligence approved firm with an earning of up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, 10.25% rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-YREFI-34. That's 888-YREFI-34. Don's on me. If you had a scandal about clean coal, you'd have a problem. Clean coal gate. I don't think we can have that. Doug's in Maricopa. Hello, Doug. <laughs> Well, hi, Seth. How are you? Another wonderful show. Thank I'm you. doing good. I'm doing good. You know, I was going to make a couple points, uh, one of which you already made, uh, which makes me one of two things. I'm either a day late and a dollar short, or I'm incredibly insightful and brilliant to have thought the same thing as you. I'm not sure which one it is. Um, but it was basically the point that you made just a minute ago that there, it's a huge difference. We're talking apples and oranges here because the president, Donald Trump, can declassify on a whim anything, anytime. And so to go after him is more of a power thing for the Democrats in the, in the establishment. No. The vice president doesn't have that right. Yeah. And so it's a totally different thing to act like, oh, okay, I totally did something illegal and bad. But now, four years later, I'm, I'm talking to the bureaucracy is, is totally nonsensical. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. Yeah. You know, part of the problem, the real problem here, there's an old expression, uh, hoist on your own petard. Part of the problem here is, is, the, is the way and the manner in which they went after Donald Trump on this with the raid and the whole thing in um, August of last year. Right. They didn't need to. It was overdone at every level, and it was weaponized, you know, going into the campaign season. But because they did that, and because, you know, 60 Minutes and Joe Biden piled on that, saying how irresponsible uh, Donald Trump was, this is now a story. But generally, a president finding records or taking records that, you know, he shouldn't have. I mean, Obama has done it. She said, I mean, it's just, it's not that big of a deal. It certainly didn't require a... A five alarm raid. No, um, of course not. You know, it was just so unnecessary. And then that being such a small potatoes, being such a thin gruel or small beer, as Shakespeare would say. Remember what the next story was? Well, they had nuclear codes in it. Oh, give me a break. If they had serious yeah. nuclear yeah. secrets in them, believe me, you, we would have known by now. Yeah. Well, you know, this is it was a whole game. And here's the second point that I'm worried about is that we're elevating the bureaucracy to be more powerful than the civil society, that we have the the um, bureaucracy that has power over the documents can choose who and when. Now, they're saying Biden is a good guy, even though he legally had no authority to declassify. So he illegally took documents. Mm-hmm. And, but he's, he's sanctified because he sucked up to the bureaucracy who was taking care of it. So because he's cooperating with the bureaucracy, there we go. That sanctifies him. Now, Trump, who can declassify and did nothing different than Clinton and Obama. 
he's evil because he had an argument with the bureaucracy. And so what it's doing is it's holding the bureaucracy up as the greater power than even the president of the United States and anybody in civil society. And that worries me as much as anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, God knows. There is something interesting, though, to this story. Um, I don't know if you saw some of the left today, the ladies on The View, and then that, who's that odd congressman? Is it Hank Johnson who thought that Guam was going to tip over? Remember that? Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. he today oh, yeah. said oh, yeah. he thought it was yeah. curious that, oh, no, he didn't say it was curious. Joy Bahar said it was curious that it's coming out now just as we were warming up on Donald Trump as if it was a plant. But Hank Johnson today did say this looks like it has all the effects of a plant. Of a plant. People can easily plant these kinds of things. If that's oh. true, that means that garage wasn't as safe as Joe Biden made it out to be. They need to go and get go outside and come back in once they get their story straight. Well, the left is famous for being on both sides of the issue. Remember, the border is secure, excepting when it's not. And, you know, and they'll go back and forth on that. It, it, and they'll do it without even a blink. It doesn't matter to them at all. You know, so at the one hand... Uh, it's totally secure, and that's why we shouldn't worry. On the other hand, it's a plant because poor Joe Biden's a victim. You know, um, there is something curious. I don't know if you heard about this that they they found uh, they they did it. They found a lot of documents at his think tank at at a university. Yeah. But one of the things that it was going on at the same time, I heard uh, earlier show. I, I won't and another channel. I won't say who. Uh, but that same university was getting tens of millions of dollars from China. Uh-huh. So, and they were getting money to the foundation. So uh-huh. all of a sudden it starts to reek of money laundering. Oh yeah. And it starts to, it starts to smell to high heaven. It sure does. It sure does. It yeah. sure does. I hope we have some investigations yep. into what the Chinese are buying in research institutes in this country. I really do. I really hope we do. Yeah. The universities are yeah, rife well, with that stuff. Remember when we cared about that after nine eleven with the Saudi money? Why don't we care about it with yeah. the Chinese money? Because they have their fingers in the money. If you yeah. want to freak out yeah. and get um, not a tinfoil hat thing, um, in back in the nineties, there was a, a book written uh, called "Unrestricted Warfare." It was written by two communist Chinese colonels. It oh, essentially, yeah. it was like. It is basically saying don't attack uh, America militarily. Right. It laid out a plan to this is how you defeat them, using racism. One of the things in that book, and this is not Doug making up a plot, it's the communist Chinese saying, hey, this is a great plan, which, by the way, the communist Chinese adapted, was to flood the universities with communist Chinese money through cultural centers. Yep. And guess what we have 20 years later? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Mm. This is this is classic Marxist Leninism, Maoism. Uh, they've all done it. Uh, they don't they don't they don't need to attack us uh, with uh, artillery. They attack us with their ideas and they know that we are so darned weak and so self-effacing that we will accept and adopt them. What, what, what do you think the last several years has been about in this country? I mean, it's just. Yes. Thank you, Doug. It infuriates me. It infuriates me. 
it's one thing to um, worry about what China is doing to other countries. It's one thing to worry about what China is doing to its own people. It's another thing to ape it here. Thanks, Doug. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Peggy is in Phoenix. Hello, Peggy. Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Great. Just great. Thank you. <laughs> All things considered, good. I guess. Good, good. <clears throat> there were there were two things um, when you spoke initially about uh, the papers of uh, Trump versus Biden, and you said it's the same thing, but, you know, the treatment on Trump is, is ridiculous. But... Um, I was thinking. I was thinking that there are there are differences, and one of them. I heard uh, one of the reporters ask um, Kareen. Um, said she asked her why were lawyers sent? Yeah, I was asking that office. yesterday. Why were lawyers busy oh. doing the moving of his office papers? I asked that yesterday. <laughs> why do you spend eleven hundred dollars an hour per person when you can get two guys with a truck? No kidding. And so, and and I just I just read that today. I didn't. Know good. You, good. Uh, no, no. I'm glad they're yesterday. finally asking that question. <clears throat> that that you know that that never made sense to me. And of course, with her answer, she never she didn't answer. No, no. She said she we also, have to defer that to the Department with, of Justice. Yes, of course. <laughs> she followed up. Said, were they looking for something specific? Um, so, Corrine uh, didn't answer either one. But just in her answer, in the, in the blah, 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 you know, she says, well, when they sent a lawyer and she dropped her voice dropped when she said lawyers. And then she came back and said their team, you know, President Biden's team. She she was just saying lawyers because the reporter said lawyers, you know, and then she realized when, you know, she just dropped her voice. Uh, you know, at the end of the word lawyers and said, uh, when the team went into blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing that is different, and I said this to somebody talking uh, prior to the 2020 election, you know, talking about the laptop and, you know, talking about his cognitive abilities or lack thereof. Um, and I said, I said, well, if it, it looks to me like if, uh, if Biden gets elected, he's going to be compromised yeah. because of the laptop, because of Hunter's um, activities, et cetera. And I and I think that that I think that that is true now. So so those are the differences. So so whatever papers he has are way more suspect um, than Trump. You know, I think Trump were they trying to get him on you know still Russia or. Uh, Who the heck knows? Anything they could. (laughs) Anything they could. Right. You know? Anything they could do. It is suspicious that that lawyers go in. Very. I think so, too. Especially if everything is supposed to be oh so innocent and oh so innocuous. But even if it isn't, I mean, even if it was accidentally discovered, which was the story, which was the Biden statement, even if it was accidentally discovered, again, why, why are you having... $1,100 an hour lawyers going in. I mean, why are you spending, you know, $2,200 or $3,600 an hour to move? Usually you spend that for a whole day's worth of moving. 
Thank you, Peggy. Uh, David Harsanyi has the beat on this at The Federalist. Uh, He'll be with us when we come back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.